as I read from Exodus chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had, that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from among from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people all at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, 
and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. May God give us understanding in this reading of his holy word, direct our hearts in his truth. If you remain standing with me, let's bow in a moment of prayer. We thank you, Father, for this time to come together. We thank you for this word that we just read. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would give insight to help us understand and to apply your word and your truth in our lives. We pray that our hearts would be open to receive what it is you have to say. We pray that that attitude, we would have an attitude of expectancy, an attitude of submission, and uh, just a willingness to follow, to obey, to keep, a willingness to receive from you encouragement, chastisement or rebuke when that's necessary and when you give it, and uh, just to take delight in your truth and in pattern our lives according to your truth. We pray for some who are not with us today who have sick sickness or ailments. I would uh, mention Aaron and asking you to watch over and bless and be with him. We thank you for some who are here and uh, are returning to us who, from different ailments. We think of Trinace, Lord, and her back and the healing that you've allowed her to have with Nikki and her back as well. And we just pray that you just continue to sustain and to bless your people. We thank you for the busy week that we've had and, and the power and the strength that you gave us to endure that. So we pray that we would honor you with the strength and the energy that you give us. And so, Lord, bless this time together in your word. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let me say it another way. When you want to do it by yourself, you're going to fail. That's not God's purpose. God doesn't have mavericks and solos who do their own thing and bring God glory. God intends for you to get victory in this Christian walk as you walk together in support of your fellow brothers and sisters. That's the point that he's making there. Now, there's so many practical points to there, to that, and I want us to grasp it. That's why I was so upset with our result to the COVID the COVID pandemic is that we decided it was okay for us to be separate. Just because the government decides that for you doesn't mean God intended it that way or that you should let that happen or continue to walk in it. It's our togetherness 
And the unity that comes from there, that brings victory. If you want to get a picture of that, look at how many defeat, defeated, what, what kind of uh, defeats we suffered as believers and as individuals when we failed to meet together and to get the support from one another. I know people want to say, well, you know, hey, pastor, you got to come into the new age. We can still get together on the Internet. I got news for you. That might be a substitute when the real get-together can't happen, but it's a poor substitute, and it's not the real deal, and God never intended that to be. But you know what happens? What Christians often do, or let me say it this way, those who call themselves Christians often say, well, I don't have to go to church. I don't really need to meet together. I can hear Reverend so-and-so preach, and this choir sang much better than anything I hear when I come to church. And that may be true, but you ain't got church by yourself. Now, I know there's some people listening to me now through the Internet and saying, Pastor, what about me? If you're listening and getting some of God's word, good for you. But remember, that's just a substitute to you meeting together with God's people in person. So we see that it's this working together that God intends for us to have as a regular part of our lives that we come to victory in. Now when we get to chapter 18, we see that continue. We see the part two of that. Before we get to that part two, though, something that is very fitting for our time this week with Thanksgiving coming, we see a rejoicing and a praise that God's people do. So let's, let's look at that first part. In other words, chapter 18 has two parts. The first part is praise and thanks, and the second part is a, a, a working together that brings us to a, a greater response than what we have trying to do it alone. The first part, we're introduced to Jethro. Actually, he was mentioned uh, before when Moses um, tried in his own strength to bring deliverance to Israel. Um, he was kicked out by Pharaoh after he killed an Egyptian, hit him in the sand. And so he was kicked out of Egypt, and he, had, he was a sojourner, a foreigner to Egypt, and he had to wander in the wilderness on his own. In that time, that 40-year time, he met a young woman that he married, and they started a family together, and they had two children. And this woman's father is Jethro, chapter 18, verse 1. He's called the priest of Midian. Oftentimes when we see that, we think, well, wait a minute, if Israel's the people of God, are there any other people 
that are worshiping that, 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 that will be worshiping God. It's, it's possible. And in fact, I think we can see that in certain ways. And in fact, I think we, we see some of that here by the advice that he gives and the acknowledgement that he makes. But let's, let's walk into that in, in our own timing. So Jethro comes and he sends messengers to Moses and he meets up with Moses and he has with him his daughter, which is Moses' wife, and their two children. And this gives us the names of his two boys, and the names of his boys tells us something about the journey of life that Moses has been through. Look at that in, in verse uh, 3. Along with her two sons, the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Moses felt like he had been a sojourner. He had been kicked out of Egypt, and his people were in Egypt as well, but he was not with his people anymore. He was a sojourner in a foreign land. As believers, we feel like that because that's what we are. We are living on earth, but earth is not our home Heaven with God is where we long to be and where we belong. And so while we're walking around here, we're going to feel, we ought to feel like sojourners. In other words, we ought not to get real comfortable. We ought to be kind of worried when we feel like we're real comfortable here. Like this is it. Like this is the life. Like we really live in it. Be careful. Because it ain't. In fact, this is transition to where we need to be and with God. But it's a necessary transition. In other words, God wouldn't have you skip out on this. He would have you live through this by trusting in him, by relying on him, by listening to him. It was 40 years before God finally spoke to Moses through the burning bush and said, I got a job for you. And this is what I have. Now, what was he doing in the meantime? Well, he was learning how to be a leader. He should have been learning how to be a good father. He should have been learning. He was learning how to be a shepherd over sheep and how to prepare himself as a leader, or God was preparing him to be a leader over his people. You see, he had tried to do it in his own strength, and God had set him aside and said, yeah, you got the right idea. I'm going to have you be a leader, but not by the way you think, not by your strength, not by your resume, not by, by your charisma, not by your talent, not by your giftedness. You're going to do it by my direction, my power, and my timing. He has another son, and his son, it says, his name was Eleazar. He said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He recognized by the name of that son that it's God who protected him. It's God who delivered him. The same God that his fathers had worshipped and trusted in. What do you mean by that, by fathers? Joseph would have been one who relied on God and yet not because of his own Wrong, but because of the jealousy of his brothers, he was sold as a slave and brought into Egypt. 
mistreated, and yet God blessed him and allowed him to rise up and to be next to king in strength and in power and in reign. And, 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 and God used him to save and deliver his people. He recognized that it's God who is directing his life, and it's God he needed to walk with and depend on. He was learning some valuable lessons in that 40 years in the wilderness. So his father-in-law is coming to meet with him, and I want you to notice as he gets together with the father-in-law, they exchange some pleasantries, right? Right? It says in verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare and went into the tent. Now, what I get from that is he had a good relationship with his father-in-law. You get that? The the guy wasn't coming to to get him. (laughs) He was coming to meet him. They fellowshiped together. They interacted together. And then we see what happens. It says, verse 8, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. Well, let me back up. Moses was telling him something he already knew. Look at verse 1. Jethro, the the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. How did he hear this? Where did he hear from? Word was getting around. God was doing such a thing, such a work, that word was getting around. And Jethro had heard it back in his hometown. You see, God was doing this thing, and God, God's, the, the testimony of God's greatness was going out. And people was hearing that. Now, why do you think God wanted that to happen? Well, you'll see Jethro's response, and you'll get the idea. So Jethro and Moses meet together, and Moses began to rehearse with his father-in-law all that God had done. It says in verse 9, Jethro rejoiced when he heard Moses speak of God this way. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. It's a good time for us to remember and give praise. Sometimes we sit around that table and, you know, everybody's hungry and all the food is smelling good and can't wait to eat and we just want to jump right in. However you do it this week, Take some time out to give thanks to God. Now, how do you do that? You need to rehearse, practice, recall what God has done. And you need to speak it and say it aloud. Don't just imagine it and think that somebody else knows. Take time to rehearse and to practice and to say, what has God done? done. You see, Moses rehearsed this with Jethro, and it says in verse 9, Jethro rejoiced 
for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. They spent some time talking. Jethro had already heard about this, but they rehearsed it again. If you remember earlier in the book, there was a song of Moses, and he rehearsed in a song what God had done. These are ways that we, we keep our mind focused and, and understanding and a thankful heart of what God has done. You know, too often we go from one prayer to another prayer without giving thanks to God for what he's done already. Take some time and reflect over the last 12 months what has God done in your life? Look at what Moses does as he reflects. It says, verse 8, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. He told them the stuff that God had done, the hardships that were, whether you want to see that as hardships on Egypt or the hardships on Israel, there were hardships in both ways, and how God delivered his people from these hardships. They rehearsed what God had just done. Think about it in your own life. What has God done for you? If you're old enough to sit in this room, whether you're six years old or 76 years old, you can think of something that God has done. Think about it right now. In this past year, you've had some ups, you've had some downs, you've had some hardships, and you've had some blessings. What has God done in those things? He's allowed those hardships. And where are you now with that? How has God allowed you to, to, to reflect and to think on his activity during those hardships? What it is he is doing. And can you think on something and rehearse something that you are thankful that God has done? even in your hardships? Have you seen God's deliverance? Well, let me say this. You're here. You're here. Maybe you can't recall anything that you think you should be thankful for. Let me remind you of just, just two things that you can match. Psalms 107 verse 1 says this. It's, it's a general psalm. Psalms 107. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In verse 2 it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Now, it's in general there. He says, God is good. He has steadfast love. Look at verse 20 there. It says, he's, excuse me, verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. 
And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. You say, well, I still haven't come up with much in my specific life. I would encourage you and challenge you to compare this psalm, Psalm 107, and the verses we looked at, with Psalm 32, verse 1. Let me turn there now and read it. And let me make the clear connection for you. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Let me break it down this way. You may not recognize or see the blessings that God has given, some of the, the, the natural, the physical blessings that you may want and have been disappointed in, but know this, one of the greatest blessings we have from God is the fact that he it is that forgives us of our sin. God says this, blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. He didn't say blessed are the millionaires, blessed are the super talented, blessed are the beautiful, blessed are those who get what they want. Blessed are those whose sin is forgiven. So start right there. Start right there and rehearse with God for what he has done for you. Now, maybe your sin isn't forgiven. Maybe that's why you're not thankful. But it can be. It can be if you would trust in Christ. Those who are trusted in Christ never, never are at odds or never uh, are without something to be thankful for that affects all of eternity. Not just today or tomorrow or the paycheck next week, but all of eternity. So start there. Let's go back to our text. So what we see Jethro and Moses doing is reflecting on God's activity in their lives. And this causes rejoicing and praise. We've noted in verse 9, it says, Jethro rejoiced. And then in verse 10, he begins to praise God. Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. You see, he began now to worship and to praise now. Blessed be your God who you serve, this God, Jehovah, who has delivered you. And look what he says next verse. Now I know. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all God. See, God did this to witness to him. He was a priest of Midian. In other words, he was a religious man, and, and I believe he was searching there for God, and God brought him and Moses together in such a way that Moses married his daughter. But he recognizes this God as above all other gods, and he declares that as he speaks with Moses. Now I know that the Lord, this God that you speak of, the one that delivered you, he is God alone. He is God above 
all gods. So there's some worshiping going on there. And we see it in a practical way in the next verse, in verse 12, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And we see all the leaders of Israel come in and join with him. So that's the first part of this chapter, a chapter of recalling God's deeds and bringing ourselves to worship and to praise. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. Speak of what God has done. Recall, think about, remember, and speak out what God has done. Name it specifically for your life. Name it specifically for in this time frame, this past year, these last 12 months. What has God done? Take a moment to reflect on that and then give God worship and give God praise. The second part of this chapter I mentioned goes along with the previous chapter. And we see that the next day, Moses goes out to lead the people. It says he sat to judge the people. And Jethro watches this go on and he sees something. And it says here, the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So when Jethro saw this, he says, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? So Moses goes and explains that the people come to him to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come and he makes a decision or helps them discern what's right and what's wrong. He helps judge the matter. He helps judge it based on God's truth. What God has made plain to them, his statutes and his laws. Now we know that the Ten Commandments hadn't been written then, but God has communicated something to them. They're just not in a written form yet. But Jethro says something to Moses. He says, man, the thing you're doing is going to wear you out. Not only you, it's going to wear the people out as well. He says it's not good. It's not good. And I think the key phrase, you are not able to do it alone. The last part of verse 18. So he gives Moses some advice. Let's read that. Verse 19. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all these people also 
will go to their place in peace. Some have questioned whether this was right advice for Moses or not. I think it's plain for me to see that Jethro gives Moses some excellent and needed advice. He says, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. What is it that you need to do? Well, the short term of that would be delegate. Moses, you need to train others so that they can share your burden and bring up the people in a more efficient way. One that won't put all of the burden on you. Why would Moses not have done this before? Well, I think he would have felt the burden, the awesome importance of teaching God's truth to people and, and, and think that God has given it to me to teach and I must teach them. They must hear it from me. And that, that's true and well. But he got caught up in the burden, thinking that God had given him this burden alone. God had given it to him uniquely, but not to be born alone. God was given direction through Jethro. You know, sometimes God speaks to us. In this day and age, he speaks to us through his word. But sometimes it takes an individual to come and break that down for us so that we actually get it. God does that all the time. He's doing that right now. That's why we have the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word, counseling and the sharing of God's word in person-to-person -person settings. And so God knows that it helps us to have another individual to, to, who, who has experienced some things, who understands some things, to help us understand and challenge us to put God's word into action in our lives. So it shouldn't surprise us that God uses people, individuals, to teach us, and he will use us to teach others. And in fact, he wants that process to go on, and, and he uses that process to, to, to teach his people efficiently. Moses may have felt it was so important for what he had to do that he was the only one that can do it. But he bore that burden alone. You know, some of us feel like, you've heard it, you want something done right, do it yourself. We feel that way. Why do we feel that way? Well, the problem with that is, if we've got to do everything ourselves, we're going to be overburdened. We are going to be overburdened. I wonder if a lot of people are going through stress right now because of that attempt to do things on their own. It may start off as a good idea. Lord, I, I, I am really passionate about this thing that, that needs to be done, and I'm going to take my time to do it right. But there's something else that God is saying. I didn't give just you that passion, and I didn't intend for you to bear that burden all by yourself. 
So God is showing Moses, as he had done in the previous chapter, Moses, I want you to hold up the rod. And when you hold it up, Israel will succeed and their army will succeed. But when your arm gets weak, they will begin to be defeated in the fall. So what are you going to do, Moses? You're going to get other people around you to help you do what you need to do so it's not dependent on you alone. In fact, that's God's purpose of how he wants things to work. Now, if you'd have looked at me 15 years ago, you'd say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? When Sweet Communion started, I was the preacher. I was the usher. I was the deacon. I was the song leader. When we got a building, I was building it. And I was doing everything. I had a zeal and a passion for the Lord's work, but I had to realize that's not the way God intended, and I could not do it all myself. You see, part of that problem, that, that attitude we have, is when you want something done right, do it yourself, is a pride problem. I'm the only one that knows how to do it right. Now, God may give you a responsibility with that, but he says, I'm going to give to you faithful people who will shoulder this responsibility. Now, I want you to see something. They don't replace Moses. They share the burden of Moses. God is still using Moses uniquely. The word of God says God spoke to Moses in a way that he did not speak to any other individual face to face. God's not replacing Moses. He's assisting Moses. And I want you to notice the quality of the men that were needed for this task. He says, Verse 21, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. This, listen to me now. <laughs> able men, men who have ability to lead. Now, every man doesn't have the same ability, nor is that necessary. Notice how he appointed him. You're going to put some as chiefs over thousands. Some as hundreds and some as ten. In other words, according to their ability, not, not all of them, in fact, none of them are at the level that Moses was at, but Moses still can't do it alone. He says, you're going to take some men who are able and skillful to take care of ten. Use them in that capacity. You're going to find others who are able and skillful to take care of hundreds. So you might have those 10 or 10 of those 10 men report to one man. You're going to have some in your group that are able and capable of leading a thousand. Not all of them, but you don't need all of them. God is selecting a few out of that. He says, take able men. Now there's something that's needed 
The, the ableness, I think, speaks of their giftedness, and they're uniquely gifted, gifted, and not all people have or share the same gift or strength of gift, if you will. But he says, men who fear God. You see, <laughs> that trust in God is, is what I call a non-negotiable. Faith, men of faith who look to God, rely on God, and walk with God. In other words, you're going to have men of faith in this group who have different uh, leadership responsibilities and gifts. But they fear God, and God is going to weave this together so that they accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. Something else he says they have to be trustworthy. Trustworthy means you can depend on them. The next phrase he uses is they don't take a bribe. In other words, honest men. Trustworthy and honest. Trustworthy and, 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 and dependable and, and straightforward and honest. Men who have these types of qualities. You can imagine that you're going to have to, Moses is going to have to train these men in these positions. So there's some work that has to be done. He's going to have to organize these men so that he can find out who are the chiefs of thousands and who are the chiefs of ten. And those men need to be willing to do that role that God has given to them. Don't take one who's able to lead ten and try to put them over those who lead a thousand. Don't desire, if God has given you that ability to lead ten, then to, to lead a thousand. Stay in your lane. See what God has given you and use the gift that he's given you. And place such men over the people, he says. Place them over the people. Verse 22, let them judge the people at all times. So, God, I believe, was speaking to Moses through an individual that wasn't even part of his group and giving him insight and wisdom in a practical way. God wanted to prepare his people so that they could have victory and accomplish what he, the, the task that he was giving them to accomplish, and this is how he was going to accomplish it. How do you accomplish a big thing? How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time. <laughs> How do you move a mountain? One shovelful at a time. In other words, what you need is faithful individuals who are willing to go to task and do the little bit, and the collection of the little bit together will accomplish the bigger task. But no one person can do it alone. 
And we need to organize and lead those individuals so that we are staying on task and accomplishing that without total frustration. Getting the job done. It's interesting that God is organizing his people right there in the wilderness. <laughs> they just came from war. And, and he's preparing them for what's ahead. God is working that same way today. God is, wants us to understand that he's going to accomplish with us working together in the setting that he has placed us so that we are fitted and suited to do his will. You need to understand that person next to you may not be doing the same thing that you do or may not have the same gift as you do. That, that's, that's not a problem. Stop looking so much at what he or she does or doesn't, doesn't do or what you do that they don't do. Recognize it's the different levels God is placing us to do to get the task done. I think we could see something like that last week when we had our great fellowship and, and see the different individuals that God used to do a task. Had a busy day that day, and after I left here, I went to a uh, retirement uh, gathering for a friend in the ministry. It was, a, it was a great time to, to, to go, but they had a dinner, and I had already eaten and, and, and didn't stay for the dinner. My wife was there, and after we got home from that, after a long day, she got something to eat. And I said, you just came from dinner, didn't you eat? You know what she told me? I didn't eat nothing. I didn't eat nothing. You know what? She was busy serving all the people, and I would imagine she's not the only one. Her mom was in the same situation. They served everybody and didn't even eat. Never complained a bit about it. That's the kind of, that's the, you see, Everyone is doing a different task. I, I noticed after we ate, the, several of our men got together, started breaking down the tables and putting up chairs. We had people going around sweeping and, and, and getting stuff together. I want to tell you something else. Tuesday, I had a pastor's fellowship here. I opened it. Before I pulled in the parking lot, there, there's a car in the parking lot already. Now, I recognize this car. It's the same car that I see every Sunday when I get here. You know, I'm not the first one here. Usually, I'm not even the second one. This, today, I was the second one here, and that car was here already. Y'all know who that is. Miss Holt Jackie, she was there on Tuesday. You know what she was doing? Cleaning up all, every, just tidying up, just doing all, putting her, putting her touch on everything. After we cleaned up, just touching it up so it'd be just right. She was there when I got here and I almost stayed till the time I left, and I was here for, for two hours. So she was here for a long time. This, you know, there are different pieces that God's people are, are doing. I notice Brother Willie Wallace is always doing something inside and outside. When you see things lined up and things looking neat and in their place, you know, somebody has, 
has been assigned to a task, and they're doing that task faithfully and willingly and consistently and getting it done. And so there's different people who are doing different things on different levels. I was talking to my son today, and, or actually yesterday, and I said, man, you, you had a busy week. <laughs> from this, from last Sunday to this Sunday, if you count the two Sundays, eight days, out of those eight days, he spoke or preached or taught seven of those days. Every day he has something to do. So God is using different people to do different tasks, but it's all of us working together that accomplish the task that God would have us to accomplish. And, and it's not one person being a superman in the show, but all assigned taking care of their duties. I look out on the crowd, and I remember that we had a baptism on Sunday. You don't know this, but somebody has to come in and, and, and turn the water. Uh, Brother Nick, how many gallons of water that is? That's a, whole, that's, that's a whole lot. You turn the water on, and it's not going to fill up in 10 minutes. It's not going to fill up in 20 minutes. It's not going to fill up in an hour. It's not going to fill up in two hours. You have to be here for a long time to watch it and to fill it and to heat the water, clean the pool, first of all, and, and to get that... Listen, I'm just telling you that there's different people doing different, doing different tasks, and all that is required for the success of this work. And that's an example of what God would have us to do. It's not done by one person. It's done by a total group doing the job and the task that God has assigned. I want to ask you a question. What's your role? What's your role? It's good that you're here. Now let's move to the next step. That we get you connected as a part of God's work. What's your role? What are you doing? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to be led by God? Are you willing to be directed by God's people? You know, I've talked to people, they said, well, you, Pastor, I'm willing to be directed. I'm waiting for God to direct me. And I feel like Jethro. God just untold you something, you just didn't recognize it. God directs through his people. He's sending someone you, to you right now to challenge you. To encourage you. He'll send someone else later to follow up on that. Are you listening? Are you willing to take on the task that God has for you? You say, I don't know what that task is. You may not. Are you interested in finding out? <laughs> don't tell God what you're going to do. Ask God, what would you have me to do? What an arrogant statement. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. You're not God. And you're not the leader. And God didn't set you there. Ask God, what does he want you to do? And you know what? Think about how God's going to answer that. People think they're going to study in their devotion time. 
and they're going to read a verse that says, I shall do this. While you're reading that verse, you might get a text from me. You might get a call from somebody else. Say, hey, you know, we need some help over here. You realize God is answering your prayer? You realize God is speaking to you? God may send you a Jethro to say what he wants. Listen, receive, act, do what God is calling us to do. Recognize that your role is important. It's needed. It may not be the exact same as someone else, but God is calling you through that way. Also recognize this. Remember the qualifications. He had different people assigned to different tasks with different areas of responsibility and weight of responsibility. But he said, look out for faithful people. I'm glad you're here. I want to move you to that next step. Because if I can't count on you to be here, how can I count on you to take on a role? You know, some people say, well, I'm waiting for me to get that role. Then I'll start being here. But how do I know that I can count on you? I think you ought to do two things. You ought to be here, and you ought to look to somebody to tell them that you're available and you're looking for what God wants you to do. Talk to that individual. Now, you don't have to say it all to me. God is going to put a Jethro in your life. God has connected you with somebody already. Talk to them. Begin to flesh out. Begin to, to think. And to begin by, most importantly, begin to be open to ask God, what's my role? What would you have me to do? Help me to be willing for the task that you give me to do. You can start off by saying what needs to be done. What needs to be done. Let me jump to this too. To do this task, it required Moses to train some individuals. It also required him to hold individuals accountable. Now, some people don't like accountability because it makes them look like the bad guy. They have to ask the question. It's like at home when the dishes ain't washed. You want to say, well, who's assigned to wash the dishes this week? Who's assigned to take out the garbage this week? Why is the garbage still in the kitchen? Whose task is it to do that? It's holding that accountability that, that allows us to get that task done. And we've got to be willing to be accountable. We've got to be willing in the role to, to push accountability, to ask the question. Brother, are you doing what you're supposed to do? It's not mean to ask that. It's right, and it's need, it needs to be asked. So Moses was to divide these leaders, these men, these individuals, so that they would have that relationship and that accountability. They would have assignment of the task, and they'd be able to get done this great, humongous 
job that needed to be done that Moses was spending from sunup to sundown trying to do it alone. Verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel, out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Moses began to put in order. God has a job for us to do collectively, and we will not accomplish it on our own or in our own strength. God, in his plan, designed to use every one of us to do that task. Are you willing to take on the role that God would have you to take on? Are you willing to be faithful? Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to take direction? Are you willing to listen to God through the human voice that he sends to you to speak to you. Our prayer is that you say, yes, Lord. Send me Jethro. I'll listen. I'll respond. I'll do what you want me to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you move in our hearts through your word in very practical ways. None of us were meant to be, to do it alone. None of us were meant to be the savior of the people. You are God alone. But we marvel at how you chose to work through people and accomplish what you want to accomplish through people. Open our eyes, make us willing to do your to do what you've assigned to us, to take on the task that you've given to us. As leaders, Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom in discerning your will, your purpose, and how best to get that done. We pray that you give us the leadership, willingness to take on that leadership and individuals in the task that are willing to follow that direction. You might accomplish all that you'd have for us to accomplish here at Sweet Communion. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.